What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. And I'm Emily Van Vutt. And we're back with uh, with a whole bunch of new games we've played. And then uh, on our main topic on this episode, uh, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the designs of Scott Alms, who is uh, probably best known for the Tiny Epic series of games. We just got our Kickstarter copy of Tiny Epic Galaxies, so figure good time to... Uh, to check out some of his works as well. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, just a reminder, you can find us online um, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Tabletop for Two for all of those. And uh, if you get a chance, please subscribe to the show. Uh, you can do it on iTunes, Pocket Casts, or Stitcher Radio. Uh, we're available on all three of those, and uh, that way you get the episodes automatically delivered to you every other week when we record. Um, so the first new game that uh, hit our table over the past couple weeks is Isle of Sky, which we uh, briefly talked about as one of the games we were challenging ourselves to get to get to the table. Um, Isle of Sky is a tile laying game uh, with some with like a unique auction mechanic. I would say mm-hmm. um, it's it's been described as Carcassonne on steroids, essentially. I can agree with that. Yep. The way it works is uh, every round, each player um, has three tiles, and they place the tiles in front of a a screen that they have, and you're going to secretly assign one of the tiles to be discarded, but then set a price for the other two, and then once everyone's set, you reveal your screens, and each player has the opportunity to buy one tile uh, from another player, and if you decide to buy the tile, then you pay that player the gold that they, the price that they set for that tile, um, and then if if you if no one buys that tile, then you're stuck with it. And you have to pay the gold to that you put up for it to uh, to acquire it, and it goes into your little kingdom, and um, you have to match terrain styles like Carcassonne. Yeah, but see, the thing I didn't like is that you said you didn't have to match roads, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make it as uh, you know skillful at actually getting the tiles themselves because it's like oh if it's got a road it doesn't matter sure well it might matter because the one of the the other unique thing about the game is that uh there are during the game there's four different scoring conditions and you know what they are up front and this is out of i think 16 that come in the box you're going to pick four randomly and when those conditions get scored um is preset before the game so like in the first round the first scoring condition will get scored in the second round the second scoring condition will get scored. In the third round, the first and the third scoring condition will be scored, and, and so forth. Basically, every scoring condition happens three times during the game, and then after six rounds, whoever has the most victory points is the winner. Um, what did you think about this one? Um, I think it suffered from lack of players, honestly. I think it would have been a better experience with you know, at least even one more person. Yeah, I think the I think because, like you said before, auctions are tough with two. Well, it's even tougher um, with this one because it's not, it's not even an auction so much as you're you're price fixing stuff like that. You're basically setting the market. So you're either getting them to buy it or you're screwing yourself out of money. Yeah, which makes it easier, I guess, in a way because like if you want, if there's a certain tile that you want, you can easily price it outside of what your opponent can afford because you generally have an idea. It's easier to keep track of one person's money than it would be to do more people. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it didn't strike a chord was, with me as well. It was well. all right. It was not my favorite. Yep. Um, I didn't mind the, like the train stuff is fine. Um, you know me, I'm a bit of a perfectionist with things. I can't help well, it. So, well, like I said, there's, there's, I think and one my, or two and scoring tiles. my completionist tiles. nature is just, you Yeah. Know, 
There's, I know there's one or two scoring tiles that do make roads matter. So, you know, if you ever played with those, you'd be happier because then you could connect them together. Why would they even do them if there's, you know, I don't know. So, um, but it's, uh, it was okay. Um, I, I wasn't too jazzed by it. Like I said, I'd probably have to play it with more players. That would probably be better. Um, but as of right now, um, Isle Sky is eh, so, so not, not feeling it too much. Uh, so the next one that we actually was on our challenge list was on Her Majesty's Service. I keep wanting to say on Her Majesty's Secret Service. As, as one is one to do. <laughs> um, this game punches you in the face right from the get-go. It really does. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting this one to be nearly as mean as it was, which is fine for us. Yes. Um, what what on Her Majesty's Service is, it's kind of a... Um, Sorry, Brad's really much better at explaining the games, yeah. but he reads all the rule books, so... It's kind of like a Euro-y puzzler type of game, but it's got some trading elements to it as well. Um, basically, the board is made up of these spinning uh, gears, essentially, and each gear has four spaces on it, and the space that you are attentive to is the one that's actually facing you, depending on what side of the board you're sitting mm-hmm. on. Um, and there's different. There's four different... Um, I think they call them ethers in the game. Um, it's basically I call them gems. Yeah, they're basically four different colored gems that you can and, buy and sell. And, and on each of these cogs that you know are on the game board, there's the different colors with different values in them. Yep. Yeah, so like so the the you know the whole point is to buy at a low price and sell at a high price um, for the different gems. The catch is whenever you use a space, you put like this little token on it to cover it up, which players can then remove later. Um, you're trying to basically collect the different. There's four different artifacts that are scattered around the board. You want to collect those. Um, you have to collect a preset um, set of these gems, and then there each player has a secret exit space, and they and basically the first person to to do all that stuff and get to the exit space is the winner. So where this one gets mean though is that you have obviously, you know, also every time I forgot to mention every time you use a space it also rotates clockwise so you might be sending a lesser space over to your opponent basically to use from their perspective. Um the other thing that happens is that you get these you get these like special powers that have some really brutal no, uh, you don't get the special powers there's four people on the corners of the board mm-hmm. and they each correspond to a different power some of which are mean some of which are helpful yeah well the, remember they also have those like special action cards though remember too right oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah like and like to the point where like one of them's like you can steal an artifact from one of your opponents which is actually how yeah and then that's how he won the game so no complaints there. Um, so I enjoyed the game. Um, I figured you would enjoy the game as well. Well, you said the word puzzle, and I said yes, please. Yeah, I mean, it really, it re- like when you boil it down, it really is just like a trading game almost because you need to make money to get to buy the different artifacts and stuff like that. Um, there, there's one really strange thing with this game though that I don't particularly care for, and that's the first player mechanism that's in the game. <laughs> Yeah, it has the uh, what? What is it called? Well, it's called I think the Shadow Broker or the okay. Shadow Master, so something like that. Basically, it's like the Grim Reaper, and if you are in control of him, um, instead of getting you get one income every turn. Mm-hmm. Instead of you getting the one income, he gets your income. Yeah, and and like being first, obviously, it's you know you get to go first. You also get four actions on your turn instead of three, um, and then w- the but what's weird about it? So anyone can take him from you. If if they give more money to him, then then 
you have basically. So like if I've contributed three coins to this guy and like Emily said, since you're getting one coin every turn and it's going straight to him, like that's building up, you know, turn over turn. So like if I have three coins on him and you contribute four, you'll actually steal him from me. Um, but there's real, but money is really tight in this game. Like it's, there's really very little incentive to do it. Right. And honestly, I feel like he really could just be taken out of the game and he doesn't really matter that much. I don't think. I mean, he matters to the extent that you get four actions, which is helpful, but he also limits the amount of money that you have because you're not getting that constant influx of cash. Which so, is why I didn't steal him from you. Very but much. the, but the other thing that's, annoying about that mechanism is that he actually like him him the first player took in changing hands is actually what rotates those special characters coming onto the board because at the beginning of the game there's only two of them that are in play and there's four total basically when the first player token changes hands you're supposed to take the older of the two off of the board and you put a new one on in his place basically so it's it's just very odd that they did it that way um i almost like, I don't know if passing the token around would be a good solution, but, like, money is hard to hang on to in that game. Mm-hmm. And and it's really hard to say, all right, I'm just going to give 3 or $4 to take control of this first player token. That's then going to handcuff my my income further. Um, yeah, that was, the, that was the only really puzzling part about it to me. Um, but the game itself is solid. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Of course, since it's cool mini or not, the miniatures... And the components in the game are are top notch. Um, so that part's really cool. So yeah, Honor Majesty's service. Um, try it if you like like trading games and like puzzly style games. Um, but that first player mechanism, we'll have to see if uh, maybe maybe next time we play, we'll try to consciously be more aggressive about buying it and seeing if that changes the the gameplay at all. Yeah. So um, the next game that we played, we've actually. Um, we took kind of a backwards route to, so, well, as we do in most things. Well, we did. So, um, pandemic obviously is a, is a staple game uh, in the in the hobby community. Even even non like hardcore gamers have probably heard of and played pandemic. Um, we actually never owned pandemic, but we did get pandemic the cure, which was the the dice version that came out last year. If you guys want to learn one thing about us. We love the dice games, mm-hmm. and and we love most of the time the dice version of other Any, games. Yes, um, you know we prefer Roll of the Galaxy to Race for the Galaxy. We like Viva Java the dice game. We've never actually played regular Viva Java, but um, I would imagine that we like the dice one a little bit better. Hopefully, um, but yeah, Pandemic the Cure, which we liked a lot. Um, it was an excellent game. Um, but then I got a as part of that math trade that we did a few months ago. Um, I was able to get a regular a copy of regular Pandemic. And we finally were able to get that to the table for the first time. Um, so if you've played, if for those of the, that have never played Pandemic before, um, you're basically different roles trying to globetrot uh, to prevent these viruses from taking over the world, basically, and destroying everything. Um, you have to collect location cards, and each location card has a color corresponding to the region that it's in. If you collect five of the same color, uh, you can eradicate uh, that disease color, if you can eradicate all four diseases before a variety of endgame conditions trigger, then you win the game. Um, there's a million different ways you can lose the game, mm-hmm. basically. So from our perspective, um, you know, we, we picked it up pretty easily. Now, we just played the, 
you know the starter scenario, oh starter my God, difficulty. This is way too easy, you know, version. Yeah, and blaze through it. Um, and plus we've played the other, uh, the other Matt Leacock, um, cooperative games, the Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. So you know it was very similar to those, obviously, uh, because those were both spun off from Pandemic, essentially. So it was fun though. Um, it was fun, and this is one my best friend. And her husband got this game, and they just love it, and they play the crap out of it. They bought the expansions. Like, I'm super happy that they're getting into this hobby because we've even talked about doing, like, a Skype date with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the reason that I wanted to play it is because Pandemic Legacy is coming out soon, and that's definitely something that I would like to play. Since I won't play Risk Legacy. Uh, we can't play Risk Legacy. You need at least three people. I don't think we can find a third person to play it consistently. I hate Risk. Well, that I think you well, might. Aside from the one you just got, the Star Wars one. Yeah, that I think one's, that one's okay. I think you would like Risk Legacy more than regular Risk, just because of the different things that are in it. Because it's unrisk like. I mean, it still plays like Risk, but it's not quite as, you know, stupid. Just because of the different permanent effects that can change and stuff like that. But we're going to play Pandemic Legacy anyway, so we'll get to experience that style of gameplay firsthand. So Pandemic was fine. Um, you know, if you haven't played it by now, it's it's worth playing. I actually prefer Pandemic The Cure, though, personally. Well, I think we uh, effectively turned Amanda and Brian to get Pandemic The Cure, too. Because after, oh, really? after we played with them, they're like, oh, my God, it was so much fun. Well, I mean, they still play the regular one, but, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe, well, maybe maybe we well, would need to try with, with the expansion. Them, so with, with you know the two kids, it might be a little easier for them to get the the dice one knocked out. Yeah, it's a little bit quicker. It's a little bit quicker. So. I think I think the dice one is a little bit more effective with two players, just because of the way the game is mm-hmm. set up, though. So, um, next on our list, <laughs> one that we have talked about and been waiting for very impatiently. Legendary Encounters Predators. Mm -hmm. You have heard us gush and gush about Legendary Encounters um, because it's fantastic. Um, This one, of course, brings the Predators into the mix. And we actually got it to the table and got our butts whooped. Mm -hmm. Pretty badly, I might say. I don't think we actually ever finished the first objective. I don't think we like we we got well into the second objective deck, but we never actually completed the first objective. No. So, um, of course, the the first uh, the first game of this is always uh, sorting it because the <laughs> for some reason the legendary games come with the most ridiculous sorting methods in the entire world. Now, mind you, I offered to help, but he just couldn't help himself. And by the time I got home, he was just like halfway through, and I was like, I told you I'd help. Whoa. Well, you helped me sleeve it, though. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I'm a little bit ridiculous, and I went ahead and I bought the sleeves like a month ago because I looked up the card count and was like, hey, I need this many sleeves. Well, we know it's going to be something that gets played a bunch of times. Um, so, so far, we've only played the the regular cooperative scenario. Uh, we've yet to try the competitive predator scenario, which I'm looking forward to because it adds some different wrinkles to the to the gameplay. As a side note, I have to tell you, there is a card called Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Mm-hmm. Which makes it the best game automatically. I completely forgot about this line in the movie, and Brad's like, how did you forget? I was like, maybe I just blocked it out of my head. I was like, I do not remember that, and I'm just, oh. Yeah, all, all the Jesse Ventura <laughs> cards are absolutely the best in the entire game. Oh, so funny. 
Yep. That's that's one thing this game will always have over any other game is that it has a card that is literally that is literally titled Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yes. So, um, but yeah, if you if you liked uh, the Alien version of Marvel Legendary, or even if you just or of Marvel Legendary of Legendary Encounters, or even <sighs> if you like Marvel Legendary, or even if you like deck builders or cooperative games, you should get Legendary Encounters because uh, it's excellent, and the Predator one um, is just as good, and it, and it has. M- Replay value in different ways than the Alien one does, because even though you have less scenarios for the co- uh, the cooperative game, it has the competitive game in there. And you can also well. use it and do an AVP crossover. Mm-hmm. So yep, you can you can you can send in the team of uh of heroes from Predator against to fight all the aliens yeah, from yeah, Alien yeah. Two, which is kind of cool. Kick some booty. Mm-hmm. So we'll be we'll be definitely playing that one a lot more in the future. Um, the next on our list was a game that I've actually been keen to get for quite some time, uh, and that is Stockpile, uh, which is from Nuevo Games, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, can't remember the, the publisher off the top of my hand. I don't pay too much attention. You know this. Um, Stockpile is a stock market simulator that incorporates uh, insider trading, which is an but interesting it's really, mechanic. Really, really good with two people. Well, yeah, and that's so. That's usually the detriment to these games. Is usually you have to have. Um, at least three people just to to, to mix up the the, the information a little bit. Yeah. And so the way this one works is that uh, at the beginning of each round, um, players are given uh, basically some inside information about how one of the stocks in the game is going to be affected that round. Um, and then players will then create the stockpiles where basically these these piles of cards get made um and then players draw cards and add them to these to these piles basically and you add one card face up and you can put one card face down so that your opponents won't know and then you effectively bid on these piles of cards you're trying to gain shares of stock um but there also is like trap cards that might make you pay out right. money and but you also go into this having the knowledge of how two of the stocks are going to act that round well in the two player game that's how it works so yeah. that's that's how they get around um the the pitfalls that these games usually run into is that the two player game actually plays like a four player game where each of the two players is basically you get two inside informations. Um, you bid on two different stockpiles, so you get a bunch of stock. And then um, after that happens, you have the opportunity to sell stock, and then you and then you find out what happens to the different stocks. If a stock um, kind of like maxes out, then it actually splits and is worth double. Um, if it actually busts, then the stock goes bankrupt, and you lo- any players that have shares in that company straight up lose those shares. Um, but the thing that I like about it is that you can kind of game it a little bit. So like you can f- you can fake like you have knowledge about a certain company to get a player to like sell early when the stock's value is about to improve, um, which is kind of cool. Or you can like you're trying to read what your opponent's doing. Like, hey, why did why did uh why are you selling this stock? Like, do you know something that I don't know about what's going to happen with it? That kind of thing. And <coughs> excuse me, not all of the information is known because there's always uh, I think in the two player game there's always two stocks that no player knows about. So you're kind of twisting in the wind and trying to um, predict what the other ones are going to do based on the information that you have in front of you. Um, this was really good. This on uh. Usually you don't request games to get back to the table um, so soon after playing them, but you were like two days after we played this for the first time, you wanted to play it again. Also, side note on this game, has the most giant first player marker ever. Like, I could seriously, I told him, I put it on my forehead, I said, look, I have a new headband. Yeah, 
It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then there's actually like little mini expansions in the box too, is because they have little oh, characters. This one was fun. They had characters and they're actual like real people. Like they had with Discount Donald, and it has a Donald Trump like character with the terrible hair. Mm-hmm. Um, it had that crazy was it Crazy Kramer? Yeah, the Jim Kramer analog mm-hmm. and like like a Mark Cuban analog and a Bernie and, Madoff yes. analog and stuff like that. So they like famous um characters. It's also has a double sided board which has the the First side has symmetrical uh, stock tracks for each company, and the Which other we, side. Which we of course used the first time, yeah. but then the second time we went over to the yeah, it mixes advanced it up a little side. Bit. Um, how would you compare this to, say, Mars Mars Mechanics, which isn't necessarily a stock market game, but has a lot of similar feels I mean, to it? Well, I mean, honestly, they're two different games because mm. now that having played some actual stock market games. While I still consider Eminem uh, a stock market esque game, mm. it's more of I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. It's more that's more of like a um, almost like a like a commodities trading game of sorts. That's what stock is. I, I know, but it's I, I know, <laughs> but I don't like it's like Barzi's mechanics reminds me of like trading places. Where you're all, where, where you're, you're buying and yeah, where you're buying it, where you're buying and then and selling commodities <laughs> and you're trying to do it like stock. You're just like watching the market go and all right, Mortimer. Hey, I love Trading Places. It's an excellent movie. <laughs> it is an excellent movie. We have um, you don't know this, but I'll tell you now. We actually have a copy of Planet Steam headed our way, so we'll see. Uh, it's another marketish game. Got a good deal on it, so. See, look, he never tells me <laughs> these things. Like I, I come home from work, and if he's not here. Like, honey, there's a box. What's in the box? Yep. Don't open it. <laughs> or sometimes he's like, okay, go ahead and open it. So but that is uh, that is stockpile. So a thumbs up from us for two players. Yes, very much so. Um, next on our list, we played Code Names. Um, this was one of those ones that Brad. He's like, oh, this is the new hotness. This is his thing. I'm like, dude, seriously, get some new freezing here. Um, anyway. We actually played this the first time with uh, four players with two of our best friends, and it was really fun. And then we tried the two-player version, and uh, we kind of didn't do so well. Yep. So Codenames, <laughs> um, this is a word game from Vlada Chivadal, of all people. Um, it's actually but it's, it's very simple. So on the way the game works is that you have a grid, a 5 by 5 grid of 25 different words and then on you have two teams um one team has each team has a spy master who knows the the, layout. the code layout basically of of, of the round you have to say there's four different things in the game there's the red team there's the blue team there's the neutral team which is tan and then there's an assassin mm-hmm. if you ever hit the assassin word you're done yeah and the spy masters are trying to basically have their guessers finding their colored agents on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do that by giving a one word clue. And then that corresponds to one or more of the words that you're trying to get them to guess. It can get really tricky because when you're thinking, oh, 25 words, that's not so bad. Well, let me tell you something. You say, okay, I will give you this clue and say it pertains to three words and then as you're sitting there and they're trying to figure it out you see like two more that it could pertain to and you're like please don't pick those please don't pick mm-hmm. those so but it, but at least that's that's part of the cool thing in the game is you're trying to say all right I, I see like i can connect these three words but is that gonna also relate to any other word on the table 
hopefully not the assassin because you can't uh because like i said you got to avoid the assassin at all costs and basically whichever team finds all of their agents first uh is the winner now the two-player game is more of a like a beat the clock exercise of sorts where you're just trying to find it no we're not we did not do well at all because brad is terrible (laughs) at what i was giving excellent excellent clues and you were just terrible at following oh i think i think i'm a much better clue giver than clue guesser in that game I'd like, I like I think so for sure. But yeah, the two-player game, you're just trying to solve it as fast as possible. And basically each turn, you have to put down um, one of the other team's agents, essentially. And uh, it's you're just trying to, the, the faster you get it, the better score you get. Um, I thought it would be kind of lame with two players, but it's actually kind of cool. It's a fun mm-hmm. exercise trying to trying to like beat the clock. And plus it helps you practice for the for when you're actually playing the competitive game as well. Mm-hmm. To kind of learn the, you know, little nuances about the guessing. It's just tricky, though, because, like I said, the clues that you give are only one word. And you can't, like, assist those clues in any way. Like, you can't, you know, make any faces to try and hint something or, you know, elaborate on the clue outside of just giving the one word clue. So very easy to pick up and play. Um, I wouldn't get it if you're only ever going to play at two players. <clears throat> I think you really should have the full experience to to experience it's, the game the way it is. Be- better blah, 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 be a better party game. Yes. Yes. But like I said, if you have it, it's still a fun exercise to like, it's a good filler game to play two players. Like you can play, you know what we're one game where I'm given the clues and one game where Emily's given the clues and you can knock that out in 30 minutes or less um, and still it's have a like, good time guess with who that for adults. Kind of sort of actually. <laughs> yeah, that's actually uh that's a really good comparison, actually. It really is like adult guess who. Don't act so surprised. That's I. I never thought I didn't think of it that way. But that's uh, code names. So definitely check that. I think it's like twenty bucks too. It's a heck of a price for that thing. If you can find it, apparently it's hard to find right now. So, um, the last game deserves a little bit of a setup. So I've I, always this, been. This was at my behest. It was at your behest, but um, I've always I've been trying to find like an epic um. 4x ish style game that would work well with two players it's 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 been harder than you think um we've had a few mild successes um empires of the void is a game that we both like that's worked out really well um but we've had a lot of misses too eclipse didn't really hit it for us um exodus proxima centauri we were so so on but we never felt compelled to play it again we actually got rid of it um rune wars is a game that i liked a lot um, but it just take took too long. It was like even with two players, it would take still a solid five to six hours. And he got mad because I won the first game. We I did played. not get mad, but it's it's it does stink <laughs> to lose two players. And I wanted something that was also kind of similar to like the Game of Thrones board game, which we also really like. But you need realistically at least four players in order to play that, and it's also an incredibly long game. Like that's an event game that you have to. Yeah, make last a whole time we played that, actually, the one and only time that I've played it. We actually had we got a babysitter and shipped the baby off and was like had all our friends come over. I think it took us like three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And and st- and even still, like the game ended in round five of possibly ten, and it took three and a half hours. So. Yeah. Um. So that so we've been searching for like the perfect skirmish game, 
um, that would work well, fit in a reasonable time period, and played well. Two players will enter Forbidden Stars. Forbidden Stars is the new game from Fantasy Flight that takes place in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. Um, neither Emily nor myself know anything about Warhammer 40,000, but the gameplay looks solid, so we decided to finally give it a whirl. We've had it for a couple months now, and um, it was pretty pretty good i'd say well see i was looking for you know since we went through withdrawal during the month of august i needed something really really meaty to dig my claws into so i mm. said you know a sunday night and i said hey baby went to bed let's bust this out he's like all right then yeah this one so this one has you controlling one of four um unique factions within the warhammer 40k universe um, I was the bad space marines. Yes, you were the the evil space marines. I was the more noble space marines for I our first game. I was the scurvy knaves of yes. the space marines. And what you're trying to do in this game is you're trying to disperse your your empire of sorts, and but also collect these objective tokens that are being guarded by your opponents. And you also need to be able to collect resources to do things within the mm. game. Yeah, because during the game you're gonna you're gonna build more units so that you can send on the board and then send off to different areas to fight. Um, you can acquire uh, more combat cards. We'll talk about combat in a bit because it's handled pretty uniquely in this game. And if you guys follow game. us on Instagram, you saw the epicness of the final battle that went down. And this one's interesting too because it does the hidden. Um, order selection that Game of Thrones does where you plan all your orders in secret and then execute them but they're actually planned on the board itself so that you can actually you can restrict your opponent yeah, yeah from being able to do stuff um, depending on where you place your order tokens so um, combat's also kind of cool with this game so every player like when you send your units each of the units has a die value and when combat starts you roll the dice you could get a gun a shield or a morale thing um and then you each player has a uh, what's called a combat deck which is a deck of 10 cards uh that's unique to them and you draw five of them and then through the combat you it's like a three round deal where you play each play a card in secret um the attacker flips their card over they resolve it the defender flips their card over they resolve it you look at the each player looks at the number of guns they have versus the shields of the other player um that player will then suffer damage equal to the you know the amount that gets through and if you are if you still have units left on the table then you do another round of card combat after three rounds whoever has the most morale still standing um because each unit also gives a, a certain number of morale to the fight wins the battle essentially it's a very unique way to do it i thought and also since you can kind of since you can acquire new cards in your combat deck um you can purchase new cards and, and replace upgrades. yeah you can upgrade some of the older cards um you can really craft a fighting force that is that is all your own sort I had of some bad mamma jammas in my deck well it's what won you the game eventually is that you were able to spend a lot of time upgrading i was just trying to get units out like crazy um to try to expand um and this was cool because it came down to like a you know final epic battle and i won one morale yeah which uh and if you had lost that fight <laughs> i would have probably easily marched into your stronghold to take my last objective token so very cool game um it only in the first game only took about two and a half hours i could see that getting to below two at least 30 to 45 minutes off yeah of that. now that we know what we're doing so yeah forbidden stars um highly recommend um i don't even know if i would even want to play this at four players just because the downtime especially during the combats would be Ridiculous. probably a little much 
Um, but it's a two player game or a three player game. Uh, if you're looking for like a, like a skirmish style game, um, this is, this definitely would fit the bill. I would, uh, I would definitely say to rec to check it out. All right. So that's all for what we've been playing. Uh, when we come back, we're going to dive into the games of Scott Alm. So stay tuned. All right, so we're back, and uh, like I said on the show this week, we're going to take a, a look into the games of Scott Alms, uh, who is designed, probably best known for the Tiny Epic series of games. Um, he has a few other games that we'll talk about, though, uh, that we know of his as well. Um, so his name's kind of blown up just because the Tiny Epic series has, has kind of caught fire over the past year and a half or so. Um, so I guess we'll start with those. We've backed uh, all three of them on Kickstarter. Um, and so we've played all three. We we finally got Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is probably the one that I was most looking forward to. Uh, but we'll start with the first one, which is Tiny Epic Kingdoms. Um, this is a like a small scale 4X game of sorts, um, where each player has a unique faction, and uh, you're trying to you know do 4X stuff. You're trying to explore the land and gather resources and you know, gain points in a variety of different ways. Now you are not as huge a fan of this of one. Three. Yeah. I'm just not good at this. kind. <laughs> no matter how hard I try, just, I don't, I don't know. It's not clicking with me. It's, it's got some interesting mechanics. It's very, it's hard to diversify your, your people on the board. Um, the two player version of this one is also a little hinky because it has like a neutral kingdom that's populated by neutral, uh, like a neutral army. But when you go to fight them, um, it, the way combat works in this game is you actually, your combat strengths determined by the amount of resources that you are willing to give to the combat. Um, and with the neutral characters is there's not a lot of incentive to, you know, contribute your resources to their fight. So basically if you ever walk into, the neutral kingdom, um, you can you the you're usually going to get it because like I, like as as a player, I'm not going to give up my valuable resources to have a neutral party, you know, defeat your guys. Basically, that doesn't make a lot of sense usually. So um, the two play, I, like I said, I think this one would would be one that would be better with more players. Um, but the next one in the series, Tiny Epic Defenders, which is like a cooperative, um, like tower defense game. Of sorts is a little bit better, I think, for a, a lower player count. So, Tiny Epic Defenders has you um, working together to protect your kingdom uh, from this outside force that's trying to invade and destroy it. Um, the way that works is that you have these different locations that surround the kingdom. Um, each of them has their own destruction um, track Value. basically. Yeah. And as you let them get attacked, and it has little flame tokens. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's got cool little, that's the one thing about the tiny Epic games is that for like these tiny box games, the component quality is cool really components, nice. Components, very cool. Yeah. Components. Like you get these nice, unique, like wooden figures. And like Emily said, they have little fire tokens for this one. Um, and this is one of those types where like you have a monster deck basically, and you draw a card at a time and you're trying to send your hero out to, and they um, get worse as we go on. Yeah, two. it gets difficult as you cycle through. And then eventually there's going to be like a big bad monster that pops out that mm -hmm. you have to uh, defeat. 
what's funny is we were talking about this last night and I completely could not remember playing this. I knew we played it, but I could not remember until he started talking about the Dagwon flame tokens. I was like, oh, wait, I remember now. Mm -hmm. And each of the different locations on the board has like a special ability that you Mm -hmm. can take advantage of as well or or will hinder you like the desert. You lose a you lose a uh, health if you're still on it at the end of the uh, at the end of a round, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So defenders is good. Um, and this one can be played solo as well, uh, which is sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, the two player game works the same as any other player count. They scale it um, to make it a little bit easier for two players so that you get the we same number of actions. We did, but it, we would get better with repeat plays. I think. Yeah. I, I think that one was a lot more successful for us than the uh, than Tiny Epic Kingdoms was. Now, um, Tiny Epic Galaxies went over Gangbusters. We yeah, got well, it I, yesterday, and we played it last night. I, I knew it would. Um, just playing it was the like confirming <laughs> my the bias that I had already set for myself, essentially. Um, this one, and that, that's the other cool thing about the Tiny Epic games, too, is that they're very unique in how they play. All the ones that have come out so far are very different from oh, all the other ones. Oh, and what I really love about this, um, Tiny Epic Galaxies... If you take the box lid and you flip it over, it's your dice tray. Mm-hmm. I love when they just kind of, you know, make everything multi-purpose. Well, this is the first one that ha- of the games that had dice, and like the box and size like, is perfect super size. Cool custom dice too. Yeah, it's um. So this one kind of plays. Would you say like um, kind of like roll for the galaxy? In yeah. some ways, because you're rolling dice and, and, and they have different actions, actions on with them. Said dice, yes. Yeah, and um, and you're trying to colonize planets, and the different so planets have like special MDO abilities. In that respect, when you're trying to colonize, a little bit, yeah, because you have um, like if you if you try to colonize a planet, you basically are sacrificing one of your ships to that planet until you can get it fully colonized, and they have different ways to do that in the game. Um, this one again, really well. No matter what player count you're uh, you're playing it at, just because of how they how they scale the game, um, it also does the thing that I enjoy, where you can actually follow the actions of your opponents um, Again, if like you have a resource, or, or or like like World for the Galaxy, Race for the Galaxy um, is what kind of originated that one. Um, but yeah, the, so of the three, I'd say Tiny Epic Galaxies is is the best one for us. Um, but that or defenders, if you're playing with just two players, I would say do very well. Tiny Big Kingdoms, you're you're better served if you have more, right? For sure. Um, another one of his that I think falls into that vein uh, was his first published design. Uh, this was Kings and Aaron, Kings of Aaron Steam. Uh, this is a larger box game from Tasty Minstrel. Um, it combines action selection uh, with pick up and deliver. Essentially, yes, um, but it was programmed actions. It do, it was, and that's and I, and I know they, that's why they are, they are the bane of my existence. I'm not a fan. Yeah, really I, not a fan. It has to be a really good game for me to get over it having programmed actions. Well, the, and I think the the issue where programmed action comes into play with us that the reason, especially the reason why you don't like it, but I can also understand why I don't like it as much either, is that if somebody screws with your turn like you're basically sacrificing an entire round mm-hmm. because you because at that point it's hard to really do anything now in this it's just one like having to roll dice for things you know it's mm. too much luck involved i don't like that well it's not luck because it's determined by other what other players do and they're planning yeah, you have to get lucky that they don't do stuff that screws up your plan well no you can you can read what they're going to do and anticipate it and plan around that. So I, I'm not going to say it's luck. That's just 
you know, bad foresight if you get hosed into that. But I can see where it would be a problem because in a game like that that only lasts for five rounds, like losing an entire round is almost like a death blow mm-hmm. of sorts. Um, and I also found in this game, too, that e- as lo- that as long as you don't mess anybody up, it's really easy to do everything that you want to do in the game, too. Like, you could easily pick up the resources that you want, and then you could drop them off, and you can each each uh, each player has a unique character as well that has a special player power um, that you can exploit, too. So, yeah, this one didn't really quite hit the hit the nose for us, I'd say. Um, we traded our copy, didn't we? We did, um, just because it, it, we just weren't feeling it. And like you said, you hate programmed oh, actions. God. Like Robo Rally went over like crazy, like terribly for you. Now, before we really had played many of the program action games, I saw Robo Rally on a list, and I was like, "Hey, this looks like a lot of fun. I think we'd be good." And then we played it, and I was like, "I'm not a fan." Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, with with Kingsbury and Steam, like the two player, um, just without that much interference on the board, it's easy just to move around and excuse me and do what you want to do. Yeah, see, we prefer a little more interaction in our two player games. Mm-hmm. So, and and there wasn't, there's definitely not much to be had with that one. Um, the last game of his that uh, that we are huge fans of though is Harbor, uh, another tasty minstrel game. We this actually one. just played that before we recorded. We did while um, we were, while we were eating dinner. See. That's what I like. Something that I can play even while I'm eating dinner. Well, it's because it takes up a, a very small footprint on the table. This one does. Um, think of this as kind of almost like Lahav light version, where <laughs> you're ba- where you're trading in different commodities, and then you can sit, you can ship those commodities for money, which you can use to buy different buildings. And each turn, you're moving your your meeple character to one of the other buildings that are on the board, each of which get, grants you like a special power of some kind. And and you're just trying to score the most victory points. Each building has a victory point value associated with it. Pretty simple game. Um, again, made great by the variety of characters that you have, because each character has a, spe- a unique ability. Um, that's actually kind of a common theme with all of his games. It seems like is that you have these, uh, these factions that all have special, Special powers that you can choose from that really add to the replayability of the game. That's a that's a common yeah, trend. I don't think I've had the same one twice yet. No, and 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 with um, like literally with every game that we talked about of his has that except for Tiny Epic Galaxies, but that one has the different planets that come out that all have different abilities that right. are going to be randomized in each game as well. Um, but yeah, Harbor very cool, very back and forth. You have to really pay attention to what your opponents are doing because it also has a market mm-hmm. in the game that where, where the commodities can change values. And he beat me by one stinking point. I did one. point. And this is another great two player game as well. Just because again, um, I, th- I feel like Scott Holmes's games are very, very friendly um, on the scalability standpoint. Like he does the, the thing where, you know, basically the more players adds more like, you know, in, in, Harbor, it's more buildings on the board, or in uh, you know, tiny epic galaxies, it's more planets that come out the more players that you have. And in Kings of Air and Steam, the map actually gets bigger with uh, oh my god, with it was more pretty players. big to begin with. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's good if you add more players and they had the different map tiles in there that you would expand oh, good onto. Lord. So, um, so yeah, Harbor is an excellent game. Um, it, it's it's a great game to give sort of the feeling of that Lahav feel, but you can play it in less than 30 minutes. 
Um, so let's. So we've talked about how all, how all of his games work with two players. I think Scott Alms does a great job of uh, of of scaling those games. Um, how heavy would you say his games are, and how how well would you be able to introduce them to to non gamers? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, they well, I mean, for us, that's like filler material. That's like our mm-hmm. in between. You know, give ourselves a little break. But um, I think Harbor and uh, and Tiny Epic Galaxies definitely would be easier than the other ones to mm-hmm. um, introduce to people. I think Defenders would be okay, especially because that's a cooperative game as well, so you can kind of help somebody through that yeah. with decision-making. Um, Kings of Aaron Steam is definitely a little complicated, especially if someone's never played a pick-up-and-deliver game before. Yeah, Um I don't know. I said like those those games I would classify as lighter games, you know, just because of the nature. Oh, I I wouldn't classify any of his games over like like medium weight would probably be pushing it for for any of these, I would say. Like I, I they're they're firmly in the light to light medium range. Right. Um from my perspective, which is perfect for introducing to people most times. Mm-hmm. And and all of the games here that he has, um, except for Kings Baron Steam, which is a regular size game, um, the Tiny Epic games and Harbor are all like small box games that can be had for under twenty five bucks. So uh, they're they're pretty cheap to good for vacation travels too. Yeah, no, very portable. Um, definitely helps in that regard, and and also small footprint. Probably will go with us on vacation when we go at the end of October. Yeah, probably uh, <laughs> Galaxies definitely will for sure. <laughs> I'll make sure that happens. So. What would what what more would you like to see from Scott Alms in the future? Oh Lord, I don't know. So so just so just so people know, um, two more games of his that I know are coming. Um, there's a new Tiny Epic game called Tiny Epic Western that's going to be coming out soon. That's a Western themed version. Um, and then Best Treehouse Ever uh, is a game from Green Couch Games that's was funded on a Kickstarter where you're essentially building a treehouse they had that at unpub when we went this year they did Um, i wanted to play but we couldn't i know we were well because we were headed home at that point when we saw it if i'm not mistaken well no because they were outside like we actually had the game designers where they were playing and we were like they're like oh you guys want to play i'm like oh but sleep (laughs) yeah yeah it was pretty late at that point So but that that one looked like a pretty neat little like light filler game. Um I think for me I would love to see um him produce another like large box design. Um I'd be curious to see what he could do with that. Um obviously using something different mechanics than Kings of Aaron Steam, but something of that scale, um I'd be curious to to see how that would go with him. Yeah, it could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. More tiny epic games. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm happy about the western. I don't know what it is. I like the western theme. It's got like cards and everything too, like poker style. Man, theme. I want to play flick 'em up. Yeah, we can play flick 'em up later. It's got nothing to do with Scott Alms though. So, I know. So let's. Sorry, uh, it's western. You well, got me so started we, on western. Well, so we can wrap up the discussion. So Scott Alms, um, you know, pretty good two player designer, um, and but still relatively new to the game as well. So you know, he's got a lot of designs ahead of him. I'm sure. So uh, I will look forward to to seeing what else he can come up with. Because so far, play the treehouse game. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we'll get that when it comes out. I'm sure it's out. No, it's not. It was on Kickstarter. I thought it was out. No, on, it was on Kickstarter. It hasn't shipped to anyone well, yet. 
make it happen, Captain. I want the Treehouse game. Well, we'll get it when it comes out. But uh, but yeah, so so definitely more hits than misses for Scott Alms, um, for our for our take. So um, that's our show for this week. So uh, don't forget that uh, we are an affiliate of the Nerpocalypse Studios Network of shows. Uh, you can check out all the other great shows on the Nerpocalypse Studios Network, including the Nerpocalypse, Dense Pixels, uh, Black on Black Cinema, and Mouthful of Toast. You can also check out the premium membership that you can get uh, for just 5 bucks a month or $50 a year. That gets you weekly episodes of Look Forward and the airing of Grievances and monthly episodes of No Time to Bleed. And uh, also, don't forget, like we said at the top of the show, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tabletop for Two. Um, that's going to be all for this week. So we still have, uh, from our Get to the Table segment last week, we, have we still two have left. two more left. Um, we'll see if we can do it. Not entirely <sighs> sure if we can. We'll see. Because we kind of have a little bit of gaming ADD, not going to lie, where we get, or we'll get on a kick and I'm like, okay, I want to play this. We did play St. Petersburg. We did. That was the biggest one that I yeah. wanted to get. So we, we knocked that one off. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so we'll see how much better we can do. But uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you guys in a couple of weeks. See you later. Bye.